1: through interviews with leading professionals, and tips and tricks to help you scale your business. Sit back, grab a coffee, and let's talk all things influencer marketing.
2: Hey there,
0: this is Danielle. And this is Jamie. Welcome to episode 45 of the Businesses Influencer Marketing Podcast. We are super excited to bring you today's episode, which is an interview with Abby Ashley from the Virtual Savvy. One thing that a lot of people don't know, we have talked a lot about our hiring journey on this podcast so far. But one connection that I don't think we have discussed is that we met our paralegal through Abby's network a VA. So there's like a big connection here for our audience to think about.
1: Yeah, the moral of that story is when you're looking for talent, just ask your friends or the people that you work with. Mm -hmm. Because we two of the three people that now work for us, we found through other people that we knew.
0: And Abby has a great network of VAs that she
1: works with. So we I feel like we were so lucky to get that that intro. Oh, oh, yeah. When Abby said she recommended Bobby, we were like, yep, there it is.
0: Yep. <laughs> that was like the ultimate seal of approval that we could get for sure.
1: It makes such a big difference. Hiring is scary
0: it is so scary and i think that like i'm just on this high and i'm sure you are still too because we we just finally met our whole team in person so we just got to meet bobby and she's just amazing so we should probably talk a little bit about that besides
1: the fact that bobby is wicked smart and is so she's so good at what she does she's a hugger <laughs>
0: Am I Would the only person it? on the
1: team who is not a hugger? I, I mean, I wouldn't say Bree is a hugger, okay. <laughs> even though I got her to hug me. But I'm not sure. She, so gave yeah, me you're a probably hug the. Was exceptional. The, she's an excellent hugger. I'm, I think you're probably the least of all. Yeah. As my seven-year-old likes to rank things, and I won't tell you what he ranks in my household because it's gross, <laughs> but as my seven-year-old likes to rank things, I'm probably a 100 in the hugging, and you're probably like a five, <laughs> and everyone falls in between.
0: I would have gone lower for me, <laughs> and that's okay. I'm just not a hugger, and I get it, but where so let 's tell everybody about the trip that we did. We decided that it was time for and this is over on the hashtag legal side. We decided it was time for everybody to meet. So we started looking for locations that were sort of central and relatively easy for everyone to get to and we had a couple of cities in mind, but it 's just too hot, so we just started going further and further north. Um, so we ended up doing a team retreat in Chicago. For a weekend. It was part planning for a couple of days for you and I, and then part just team building, getting to know everybody and hanging out since we've never had the opportunity to do that in person. And it was so nice to see everybody and kind of solidify those relationships more.
1: I love our team. I love them. We had the best time. It was so I feel like we I'm I want to pat us on the back for this, Mm -hmm. because I feel like we really had like the most perfect um, ratio of work to fun. Mm -hmm. And I felt like it was Phenomenal to get to spend time and just sort of all get to know each other because you know it's it's one thing that we do live in this virtual world although I tend to be much more of an in person person than most who lives in who lives in an online world I really crave like an in person contact and conversation and spending that time I felt like just made our team so strong, not just us with our team, but the other team members amongst themselves.
0: I agree. And I'm going to throw out there one of the things that we did was a show at the Second City. I'm still a little bit hoarse from how hard I laughed there.
1: It could we have picked a more perfect Play or show, I guess I should say, than we did. We, we went to see a show called She the People, which was a completely feminist <laughs> show done by these women in Second City. And we got to check off the Second City bucket list uh, item. We got to stand by a caricature of Tina Fey, which made Danielle's whole day. Uh, and we got to laugh and everybody loved it. It was so good. I laughed so
0: hard. Like that was one of those moments where like I can't remember the last time I have laughed that hard. So it was a really it was a lot of fun. And since now we have told you about our amazing weekend in Chicago, we want to dive into our interview with Abby. So let's tell you a little bit about who she is before we get started. Abby Ashley is the founder of the Virtual Savvy. She helps aspiring virtual assistants launch and grow their own at-home business from scratch. Abby started her own virtual assistant business in 2013 and was able to double the salary from her full-time corporate job while working only 20 hours a week. And she did it in just 30 days. She's since gone on to grow a multi-six-figure business and retire her husband all from her at-home business. It's now her passion to help others start their own VA business so they can taste the freedom and flexibility of entrepreneurship. Let's go to our interview with Abby. Abby, welcome to the show. I am so excited to talk to you today.
2: Thank you. I am pumped to be talking to
0: you. Okay. So today we are going to talk all about building a business as a virtual assistant. And I had the pleasure of meeting you earlier this year at a live event and you shared your business story, which I think I knew a little bit of, but I didn't know the whole thing. And I think that this is something that so many people in our audience can relate to. So can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you started to build your current business? business.
2: I started my virtual assistant business back in 2013, and I really was just looking for a way to make money from home. I was pregnant with my first daughter, surprise, she was due on our one-year anniversary, um, and I was looking for a way you know, to make money from home, and somebody said, hey, you should look into virtual assistants. So I started researching everything I could find on the topic, and the more I read, I just thought this could be a really great fit for me. So I did something that I don't suggest most people do. I started my virtual assistant business a few months before my daughter was due. So I literally was building a business pregnant and continued to build it while I was on maternity leave. Now, it was not a good idea, but also it worked out okay because I was actually able to replace my full-time income while I was on maternity leave. So I didn't have to return back to my job that I hated. So it was just a whirlwind of a couple of months, but hold um, on a second. You were able to replace your full
0: time income that quickly.
2: It was a little crazy. Yes. Yeah, wow. So, <laughs> I will say this. I always like put this out there when I say that, cause that's like the glam side of it. I was not making a lot of money. So for me to replace my income was not a huge, huge feat, but I was able to do it instead of going to a 40 hour a week job. I was able to do it in about 20 hours a week, basically while my daughter was like napping and things. So, uh, it, it it was, it was a really big deal for me and my family. Yeah. So
0: how did you transition from having a business as a VA to helping people build their business?
2: I continued with that business. You know, I knew I had found something that I loved just finding this whole online world. I think that, uh, I didn't even know that existed, that people could make a living from their home. You know, I continued on with my virtual assistant business from 2013 when I started all the way up until 2016 is kind of when I made that transition. I, I really just had a lot of people asking me, like, how do you do this? You know, um, at this point I had built up kind of an agency. I had, Four people working under me as subcontractors, so I was taking on more projects even than what I could handle. So I started delegating some of the work and building almost like this little online agency. I I decided to start teaching other people how to become virtual assistants as well in late 2016, Um, and that's when I kind of started to make that transition from you know doing the work for clients to teaching other people how to you know, build that same kind of at home income for themselves.
0: I love your story so much, because I really do think that this is something that a lot of people want to build. But I also think that our audience has two sides. And I think that we have those who are probably interested in building a business similar to what you did and what you teach people to do. And then we also have those who are working on another type of business who are really interested in finding a great VA to help support them as they grow. So can you tell us what characteristics you think make a really good VA?
2: I do think that this is not a great fit for everybody. And there's even some things that I struggled with, you know, when I first became a virtual assistant, because I'm not necessarily the most detail oriented person, you know, like in job interviews, they always ask, that's like always the question they ask, do you, do you have attention to detail? And my, you kind of like have to say yes, because if you say no, they're going to like think that, you know, you're not going to be good at your job. But I'm not really the most attentive to detail. However, I, I do listen to people. I have the ability to figure things out. I am quite a creative person. So I think that virtual assistance is really broad and there are a lot of tasks that you can do as a virtual assistant. And some of them lie more on the creative side. So that could be, you know, creating social media posts people answering customer service emails or engaging with maybe a Facebook community for a client. There's some things that are a little bit more on the creative side. And then there's a little things that are more on, you know, the A-type personality span that would be, um, you know, doing things like data entry or maybe proofreading or, you know, even just organizing files, things like that, that I'm not so good at, was kind of the work that I shied away from. So that's what's really great about a virtual assistant business is that you can really bring in the what your skills are already and just offer them as a service to other business owners. And if there's something that you're not good at, you don't have to offer that service. (laughs) There's some basic things that I think, you know, you should be able to communicate really well via email to somebody, because you will be doing a lot of online correspondence. You need to make sure that you can adhere to deadlines because you're not going to get very good client reviews. If you're always sending in work a day or two late, things like that. Um, are just some of those common sense. I think for anybody starting a business, if they want to be successful, they've got to be able to kind of keep up with that. So those would be the characteristics that I think would maybe not be so good if you don't have.
0: That makes sense. So do you think that there are certain kinds of people who are just overall
2: better suited to VA work? You know, I have found that the type A people really do well because a lot of times uh, entrepreneurs a lot of times are visionaries. They are the big minds and the big ideas. And that a lot of times comes alongside with not being as organized in their business and not being able to kind of finish tasks. And so um, the people that I see do really well as a VA and they kind of stay in the VA world for a long time kind of are those type A. Now I kind of did the other side where I was more of the creative side and the visionary, which meant that after a while I was like, okay, let's do something else. And so I started to create courses, which was good for my creative outlet. So, um, but even then virtual assistance was a really good entry point into the online world. So even though I didn't, it's five years later now and I'm not doing just VA work for people anymore. It really did enter me into this whole world. It got me knowing people. I was able to build relationships that have kind of helped further my course creation business. Now, you know, I I think that maybe if someone's going to be a long-term VA, that type a personality works a little bit better, but either way, it's a great entry point into the online world in general.
0: Some of the folks in our audience are probably thinking a bit about hiring a VA. So do you have any tips for someone who's looking to hire and how to find that
2: right person for them? Yeah. Well, I think that a lot of times just acknowledging that you need help in your business is a big first step. Um, I think a lot of times we just try to, and maybe this, I don't know if this is a female thing, but I know like as a mom, I just try to do everything. I always think that I can handle it all myself. Oh, I've just got to add that to my plate, add that to my plate. So I think that, you know, the first step is acknowledging you have a problem, that whole thing. (laughs) I think that that's kind of the same with delegation um, is realizing, okay, I, you know, I really do need help. And then it goes to how do I find the right person? I have a community of virtual assistants and we have people all the time coming in looking for VAs. It's a really great place to start if you know uh, if you have contacts of someone who's already worked with the VA, ask for referrals. Ask, you know, who have you personally worked with that's done a really great job? You can also post in Facebook groups, things like that. But then when it comes to the actual hiring process, one big mistake that I see people make is that they will find somebody who just looks great on paper. They will send a proposal that's blows their mind. It's beautiful. It's organized. They communicate really well. And so they say, I'm going to hire this person and they sign up for a six month package with them. And what I think is a problem with that is that even though that person did a really great proposal, you don't know how you're going to work together. So they may be an awesome virtual assistant, but personalities still have to mesh well. So what I usually recommend people do is bring them on for a one-time project. Say, Hey, I would love to do this test project. I will usually pay the person for that test project, I'm paying them for their work. But if I think someone's going to be a good fit, I'll say, Hey, can you do this one project for me, I'll pay you blank amount. And then after that, if that goes well, then I will say let's do a month. Like, do you have a month package that you could sell me, and let's see how you work in the long term together. Because just because you worked well on a one-time project, again, doesn't mean it means that their quality of work is good. But is their quality of work over time, and do your personalities work well together? Do you communicate well together? And I think that that's something that can be told over a 30-day trial period. That's one of my biggest tips that I tell people. Um, Mainly because I've made that same mistake myself when hiring people, I just jump right in. And so, you know, it's okay to kind of take it slow and to do a test project and or a test month.
0: I think that's really smart. And that's something when we were doing our hiring that we tried to keep in mind because it's always really important. You never know right away how the personalities are going to work and somebody might have all the right qualifications, but then the personalities or it's just not a culture fit. And I think that that's a really important tip that you just gave to people. So listen to Abby, everyone. So for those who are on the other side of this and they are interested in starting their own virtual assistant business, what tips do you have for them?
2: Yeah. So the very first thing that I tell people to do is to kind of look at their marketable skills. You've got to decide if you're going to offer services online as a virtual assistant what services are you going to offer? I have a really great blog on my website that's 50 services to offer as a virtual assistant. If you Google that, mine will probably come up. Um, and whenever you go through that list, it's just a lot of the common tasks that people offer as virtual assistants. And so go through the list and see okay, you know, I would really love to do customer service and emails or data entry, but man, Managing somebody's Pinterest account just does not seem appealing to me, or maybe I don't want to answer phone calls, things like that. Um, It's good to kind of know ahead of time what services you want to offer. Then you need to go and you decide, okay, how much am I going to charge for these services? Unless if you have something that lends really well to a project based pricing, you know, if you develop a website, okay, then maybe charge one package price. Um, But in the very beginning, I usually tell people just do a package of hours. So say, I'll do 10 hours of work for this price, maybe 10 hours for $300. That would be about $30 an hour for your rate. At that point, you can kind of see how long something's going to take. I do love the idea of eventually offering a package as opposed to just hourly, you know, an hourly rate, uh, you know, like a website. If you get better at building a website, if you get faster at your job, you're not going to be penalized for being faster at your job. Uh, because you've done a package. But whenever you do these hourly rate services, it, it's a good idea to do that for a while because then you can see, okay, I this is how you get to know how long something's going to actually take you. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And I Googled that
0: post. I wouldn't have even thought, to do half of these things or to hire out for them. So I think they're brilliant. We're going to link this post in the show notes for the 50 services that you might offer as a virtual assistant. I think people can find a lot of inspiration here. And the one that I like the most is having people do travel stuff. Mm -hmm. I hate booking travel, right? (laughs) So like this is such a cool post. So we will definitely link that, check it out. So those are some great tips on kind of that first step to take. Are there mistakes that you see people making?
2: Yeah. So I think one of the biggest mistakes that I see people make is that they, and this is really for business in general, this isn't just virtual assistants. People just wait until everything's perfect. They want to wait until they've got their website all completely perfect. The wording is exactly how they want it. They want to make sure they have professional headshots that they spent a lot of money on. And they just, they want to have it all together before they launch. And I'm a really big fan of launching a draft one (laughs) So launch your first draft of your business. And that may mean that you have a name for your business and a Facebook page. But if you go ahead and start telling people about your business, I have known people to book out their services to literally like completely replace their income without ever having a website. So it's one of those things that we get so caught up in like wanting everything to be perfect when really, if we would just start, you could start making money faster and then you could even use that money to build a website or to hire somebody else to help. You know what I mean? And so uh, I, I think that just the, one of the biggest mistakes I see people making is that they just they just wait until everything's perfect instead of just launching as is.
0: I may be guilty of that a lot. Um, <laughs> I will be the first one to say I am a perfectionist and I am the kind of person who will be like, No no, I'm going to just, it has to be great. Uh, But I agree with you that sometimes you do just have to launch because it's, you never know what's going to happen. And I love the idea that someone could build that much of a business without having all of those pieces in place. And I do think that we sometimes get a little bit hung up on the idea that we have to have this really fancy website because I think that's just what people tend to see. So I love the idea that somebody can book out without having that. That's... Yeah. a great point. You and know, and I, think, I need to listen to myself now and then.
2: <laughs> I think that there's a balance with any of it. And so I've noticed that like, usually the thing that we're most afraid of is going to keep us from our biggest fear. So let me break that down. So for a perfectionist, the fear of releasing something perfect is going to stop us from releasing something that's completely trash. <laughs> so like if you're a perfectionist, then it's okay to release before it's in your mind perfect. Cause it's probably already really, really good. You know what I mean? Whereas maybe somebody else who's like, Oh, I'm just going to throw this up and who, who cares what it really looks like. Maybe they need to come in and rein in on the other side where it's like, okay, maybe I will have, somebody else look at this website before I put it out there, because maybe I have a ton of spelling mistakes on it. So if you're the person that's a little bit more prone to just throw it out and whatever happens happens, maybe you should, you know, have another pair of eyes on something. But if you're a perfectionist, maybe you should, you know, stretch yourself and launch a little bit before it's completely ready. Again, I think that uh, there's a balance in it.
0: Very good advice. One thing that I have heard people talk about a lot in our online entrepreneurial world, probably for the last year and a half, I think this has been a big topic of conversation and that is niching down their business. This idea of becoming a specialist more than a generalist or narrowing down your avatar so that, you know, you are talking to a very specific type of client that you are looking to work
2: with. Do you see this happening a lot in the VA world? Oh, a hundred percent. It's one of the top questions that I get. I think there's, when it comes to online business, there's really two types of online business. There is the service business, which is what virtual assistance is. And then there's kind of the course creation, maybe coaching influencer business, coaching influencer courses in that regard to really stand out. I do think you need to have a really specific niche. So I started out teaching moms how to become virtual assistants. That was like my very super specific niche and my business really succeeded because of that now um, because the goal is to get a lot of people in, right? And to get a lot of people in, you kind of have to cast that cast that net out to the to the exact people that you're wanting to get. So in in that regard, I think that choosing a really specific niche is good. On the other end, now this is my opinion, people could um, you know, disagree with this, but when you're first starting a virtual assistant business, I think that if you niche down too much, it's going to be hard to find clients in the very beginning, unless if you already have um, contacts. Because when it comes to virtual assistants, finding clients, you don't need a hundred people to buy your services. You just need a few. And so, whenever you put your services out there it's it, it's going if you say I only deal with photographers who are in their 20s and have dogs and wear purple shoes or whatever. (laughs) I know some of those avatars get like really specific. Whenever you get that specific, what happens is that you don't actually end up finding anybody in that niche. And so I think it's really good to start off more as a generalist unless if you have contacts. So if you worked previously as a real estate agent, then by all means, like go into the real estate niche because you already have contacts there. Um, If you you know, have a lot of contacts in the wedding industry, maybe you want to do that. Or if you already know how to build websites, maybe you only offer website design. So you can niche down by industry or service if you already have some expertise there. But if you don't, just offer services to whoever, because there's no way that you're going to know what niche you're going to need, what niche you're going to find yourself in, what you're going to enjoy doing, unless you just kind of get out there and try it. So that's my recommendation for the service-based industry. Again, I think it's different than courses and kind of, um, uh, being like an online influencer in that regard, I've seen more success for people that, who do choose a super specific niche. Um, but for virtual assistants, I at least tell them to start out general. And then as they get more clients, they can start to be a little bit more picky and niche down. Um, and, and when they do niche down, they can usually raise the rates too. That's normally my recommendation.
0: That's really good. And I like Any kind of advice that involves raise your rates. I think that's fantastic.
2: Um,
0: So before we wrap up, I want to make sure that everyone knows about your course, VA Bootcamp. Can you tell us a bit more about your program and what you offer?
2: Definitely. So I do have an online course. We do a big course launch twice a year in uh, January and July. And what it is is for somebody that's like, I am ready to go all in. I don't want to like have to piece together a bunch of blog posts to figure out how to do this. We have a step by step course. It's 12 modules. It's completely self-paced and it goes through everything from choosing your packages to choosing your services Deciding on your packages, choosing your rate, forming a contract, making sure that you have all of your backend processes in place. How are you going to invoice clients? How are you going to onboard clients? De- getting your first client, developing a website Coming up with a marketing plan. I mean, it is completely like business in a box, basically. And it's completely self-paced. And we do launch that course twice a year. And um, it is getting ready to launch here in July.
0: Can you give us the
2: URL? And we
0: are going to include that in the show notes, definitely, for people who are interested. Definitely. It
2: is B a dash bootcamp.com. Like Danielle said, you can see the exact link in the show notes. Um, but, and, and again, if for some reason you're listening to this later on, that will lead to a waitlist page. And we do launch that course twice a year. Awesome. Okay. Now before we let you go, can you answer our rapid fire questions? Ooh, Ooh, I'm ready. Okay. Question number one, coffee or tea? Um, actually I'm a Coke zero girl, but if I had to choose between the two coffee.
0: (laughs) Okay. Number two, what's your favorite book? It can be business or not business.
2: Um, I love the, Oh gosh, hold on. Actually, I had it in my head and now I forgot it. Um, here we go. (laughs) Business or not business. There's a book called I like giving and it is just stories about people giving in a big way. And it is by far my favorite book.
0: I have never heard of that. And like every book that I haven't heard of on this podcast, I'm adding that to my TBR. Uh, So number three is what's the first thing that you did to celebrate success in your business? What did you do for yourself?
2: Um, My husband and I have a tradition of going to this Brazilian steakhouse anytime we have an anniversary or a success in our business or anything. So I'm pretty sure we we went to that Brazilian steakhouse.
0: (laughs) I love those places.
2: Okay. Number four, do you have a word for the year? If so, what is it? Yeah. So last year was probably the toughest year of our life. It was Ooh, it was a really difficult year. So my husband and I were choosing a year, a word for this year, and he thought of the word comeback. And I was like, you know what? No. Like comeback kind of has the connotation that you're you're circling back to the place where you where you started. I feel like this is a setup year. I feel like we're getting set up to even have a better year, like to launch even further than we've been after a very very hard 2017. My husband got fired. It was it, it was. A very hard year. So our year, our word for the year is set up.
0: I love that. That is such. Oh, that's just perfect. Okay.
2: And number five, are
0: you Apple or PC? Apple all the way. Okay. Now our very last question isn't really a question, and we just want you to tell everyone where they can find you.
2: Yeah. So thank you again uh, for having me. This has been. Absolutely awesome. If you guys uh, have any questions about becoming a virtual assistant, you can head over to the virtualsavvy.com. I've got a ton of free gifts over there. I've got blog posts, tons of information on how to become a virtual assistant. If you're looking to hire a virtual assistant, I also do have a hire a VA form where you can fill that out and we will post it in my Facebook group. Um, I have thousands of virtual assistants uh, in, in a group that uh, we will put those job posts out to.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us, Abby. We really
1: appreciate it. And it was great speaking with you.
2: Thanks so much for having me.
1: That was such a good interview. I, she's so fun to listen to. She is. And she just makes
0: so much about starting your own business really accessible. And I love that blog post she referenced about the 50 different things you can do as a VA. So good.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to go check that out. I haven't read it. And um, I think it sounds like it has some really great information. So we would love to hear in the HQ, whether or not you work with a VA, are you looking for a VA, anybody a VA in the HQ, we'd love to hear about that. So if you are not a member of the HQ, you can find us at businesses.com slash HQ.
0: And if you need show notes for this episode, visit com slash episode 45. And you can get the link to that blog post that Abby mentioned. Thanks so much. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Business Ease Influencer Marketing Podcast. Please subscribe if you haven't already. If you like the podcast, we'd love if you give us a review in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your reviews help new listeners find us. If you have any questions, you can email us at questions at businessese.com. We'd really love to hang out with you in our Facebook group, the Business Ease HQ. To join visit com slash HQ. We want to give a big thank you to our producer, Don Jackson of the Raven Media Group for making us sound so very good. Thanks for joining us and we'll talk to you again next week.